You're listening to Workplace Perspective, an employment law podcast raising the bar at workplaces everywhere. Workplace Perspective is a regular podcast series for employers and employees focusing on education, training, and the law to help organizations of all sizes develop and maintain successful workplace relationships. The opinions expressed by guests on Workplace Perspective are their own and should not be considered legal advice. And now, here's your host, Teresa McQueen. Thank you, James. And welcome everyone to Workplace Perspective, where we are striving to raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Today, we're talking about the harmful ways that women feel they need to adapt to thrive in corporate America. It's going to be a great show. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Workplace Perspective has a new website. Visit us at www.workplaceperspective.com. Check out our new look, including our featured guests and archive sections. Share us with your friends and colleagues to help us continue to raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Welcome back to our listeners and welcome to Workplace Perspective, Lisa Stromberg. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. We're so excited to talk about this, but before we get started, uh, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. So, uh, Lisa Stromberg, I am the CEO and co-founder of a workplace innovation consultancy called Prism Work. We do a lot of leadership development work and also uh, impact research. And it was the impact research area of our um expertise that really brought us to this article that I co-authored with two amazing women and are here to talk about. We're going to have a link to the article on your episode page. And I have to tell you, I found that obviously the research really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, found myself in the pages. As your many article. women do, right? As many of us do, right? <laughs> so let's start out by talking about this term that you've coined to sort of categorize the types of behaviors that you found a lot of women sort of adopt uh, to get ahead in their careers, so they feel they need to adopt to get ahead in their careers. So we think about adaption as something that might be positive, but in fact, our research showed that women were maladapting. So we call it maladaptions. They were adaptions that actually were harming or limiting them to really creating healthy, thriving well-being in their lives. And of course, we're hearing so much about mental health and physical issues right now. And um, certainly that was a key area of the research that we discovered. I think it's really interesting, these, and they're not not positive things, right? As you said, these are not positive behaviors. But it's funny, as I was reading through, there are a lot of the things that I, you know, the maladaptations that you, that you talked about, we're going to start talking about. I always thought were personality traits. <laughs> yes. Well, that was one of the things that we discovered that we women think we have to go it alone. And so we think it's our issue, our problem that we need to fit in to rise, right? Um, let me give you the five traits so we can sort of start okay. there. Or traits is the wrong thing. Maladaptations is really what it is. So the first that we discovered was this need to be perfect. I need to be perfect, which really for women meant we're doing so much more. We're doing double work because we're trying to right be perfect and prepare perfectly, et cetera. Right. So that was one big issue that came up. The second was I need to fit in to rise. And you're talking about that just there, right? We think we have to change to fit into the system. Not that the system has to change. I need to sacrifice to succeed. 
so many of the women I spoke to and that, that uh, my uh, co-authors, uh, Deepa Prushman and um, uh, Lisa Kaplowitz discovered was that, in fact, we felt that we had to hide our truths, hide the ch challenges, the struggles, and that to succeed, we had to sacrifice our relationships, our community, our, our families, and, and again, our health. I need to do it alone. Back to, it's all me. It's my issue. My success is very individualism-based, right? My success is because of me, but I also need to do it alone. No one's there helping me. And then last, success is having it all, which sounds really great, right? But in fact, we find that that's not the case. In fact, we find that we were struggling. Here's one little stat that I thought really spoke volumes. Senior men in corporate America, 70% of senior men have stay-at-home spouses, but only 22% of senior women have stay-at-home spouses. Both married, don't get me wrong. The marriage rate is equal, but but men have a backstop. They have a support at home that many of the women that we spoke to didn't. So there was this pressure to be ideal workers, ideal mothers, ideal partners. Oh, it's exhausting. I'm exhausted it's, just talking about it. <laughs> I know it is exhausting. And if you think about it, I was just talking to someone the other day about, so I, I'm an attorney and... They were telling me, oh, their nephew was a JAG attorney, which yes. is a military sure, attorney. Of course. And I thought, and I, I said, you know, when I was in law school, I thought that would be great to be a JAG attorney. And I was at an age, I went to law school when I was older. And so there's a cap on age to joining military. And I would have had to do join uh, while I was in law school. I would have had to make that decision. And then I thinking about those, you know, okay, that's great. And I was married when I had been married quite a while when I, by the time I made this decision, and we had this very interesting discussion about how would that work? So if I join, I'm going to go somewhere. You're going to uproot your career and come with me. Right. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. It was a really interesting conversation. And I decided not to go that route. It mm -hmm. would have been super disruptive. Not that we couldn't have adapted to that, mm -hmm. but it would have been a very different life, I think. Mm. You know, I think it's also a little bit generational. So um, what I saw in a, my book, Work, Pause, Thrive, How to Pause for Parenting Without Killing Your Career, we, I, in that research, separate piece of research, we discovered that actually the most satisfied and most successful women were women who actually spiraled their careers with their husbands. And we're seeing more of that with millennials where they're actually saying, okay, this phase of the career is yours. I'm in, I'll move to wherever. Next phase is mine. And there's this kind of sharing back and forth. It's not necessarily something that women in senior leadership today have. And um, maybe the women who are rising right now won't have when they get to that position. We certainly hope they do. Yeah, I hope so too. And I think it's because we don't see our career, our lives. Well, we see our lives in phases. Mm but we don't see our career in phases. At least I never saw my career in phases. My, my idea of a career is you start, you start out and you rise. Well, and that's because that's the that's very much of a traditional male model of a career, right? That you actually start, you keep rising and that's, and you have to back to the article, you need to fit in to rise and to fit in means you follow a male pattern of a career. But the research is showing that many women actually have these non-linear careers, right? They actually pivot and they they they, ad they adapt. <laughs> and arguably there's a maladaptation to happen. But um, 
But yeah, we we are finding that women's careers are very nonlinear. And in fact, millennials are doing this. And, and, and you know, we're seeing this Gen Z millennials have these iterative careers. And um, it's very non-traditional. It's a new way of looking at careers. Which I love. And we talk a lot about hope for the future. And I, I really do think that our generations coming up have so much on the ball for them. Mm, mm. I mean, I know there's frustrations in the workplace, but I really think that their their ideas, their philosophies, the way that they want to live their lives, I do think that there's so much we can learn from that. And I do hope that once they become the more dominant generations in the workplace, mm. that, that we're going to see those changes. It's, I think it's an interesting. Hope. We're in that. Sorry for interrupting you, Teresa. I couldn't agree no. more. I think we're in that moment right now where the fundamental precepts of leadership are changing. So legacy leaders, they, those uh, women and men, so it's not just men, it's not just women, all of us came of age at a certain mindset about how we're supposed to lead and what leading looks like. Right. And in fact, what we're finding is so much has changed in the, really literally in the last few years, and we're seeing a whole new level and a whole new kind of skill set that needs to happen. And when we look back at this research, we're finding that, in fact, in many cases, the women, the positive adaptations that women made are that they actually have these, these skills, they, you know, this empathy, transparency, inclusivity. Um, at Prison Work, my company, we call it hearty, humility, empathy, accountability, transparency, and inclusivity. These are the power skills that we see leaders really um creating the cultures that we all want to be in and stay in so that the maladaptations don't have to happen and that women don't have to change to fit in. I love that. That's absolutely awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, we're about halfway through. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back more uh, ways, we're going to talk about more ways that we can actually positive things we can do to sort of set aside these harmful behaviors. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Take a step toward bringing our country and community together. Start a meaningful conversation at lovehasnolabels.com slash one small step. A message from StoryCorps, Love Has No Labels, and the Ad Council. If you enjoyed today's show, do this. Share us. Like us. Give us a review on your favorite podcast app. It means a lot to us, and it ensures more people tune in and raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Welcome back, everyone. We are talking about the harmful ways that women feel they have to adapt to succeed in corporate America. So what I'd like to do is sort of get practical. Mm -hmm. like, like, what can we do? So we've talked about three of the ways, being perfect, feeling like we have to fit in. Um, and how can we, what's some practical things that women can do or think about to try to change those maladaptive behaviors or get rid of them, retire them, as you say in your article? So um, let me start with a headline. I'm tired of trying to change women. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I know it's apparently it's not working. <laughs> so, and, and I would argue it's not working because we really don't need to change. The systems need to change. So I'd really like to focus on the systems, but I'll say a few things that we we do see helping for women specifically. One, we're swimming in water. We might not know we're swimming in water, meaning there are systems that we're operating in that actually create these uh, requirements where we have to do these maladaptations. So recognizing the systems we're swimming in, right? And there's the big ones, patriarchy, corporate America, you know, capitalism as we know in the United States and blah, blah, blah. 
but there's actually your individual workplace. What's the culture there? Why are you feeling you have to adapt? What's happening here? And is that not, if it's harming you, my guess is it's harming a lot of other people. You might actually be able to be a champion for change. Not that you want to have extra work, but is there a way to actually make the company more successful because you're stepping up in your leadership position to say, this isn't working for me, own that and say, let's figure out how we can fix it. Because we're just going to lose more women, more people of color, more diverse talent. And we don't want to do that because that actually is better for our business line to keep them. So what can we change? So the first thing is to understand the water you're swimming in. The second thing is to actually link arms with other women. We found and we were really heartbroken to hear so many women didn't reach out to other women. And when they did, they weren't actually supporting each other. That has got to stop. Let's figure out how we can actually be more authentic, say, I need your help. Here's what needs to happen. Here's what I could use. How can I support you? The third thing we can do is sponsor, not mentor. Women don't need any more mentoring. What women need is sponsoring. Teresa, when you're not in the room, I want to be able to advocate for you and say, oh my gosh, I was on this amazing podcast. You want to be on this too. That is the kind of thing that actually women need to do for each other. The third thing, fourth thing, fifth thing, I'm not sure I'm giving a long list, um, is to recognize that in fact, men are our allies and can be and want to be. Another piece of research that my company just completed, it's called uh, Reset, Men, Leadership in the New World of Work. And if you go to Modern Leadership, the number four, so modernleadershipformen.com, tons of insights on the research. And what we discovered is Men really want to be true allies, but perhaps don't know how, or maybe are afraid to step into it, not quite sure how to step up without perhaps being misunderstood or or being blamed and shamed. They want to, though, and for their own careers, they need to. So here's an opportunity for we women to reach out and say, hey, can we actually sponsor Teresa? She could be great here. Joe, work with me on this one. Let's go and get Teresa's career. So partnering with other um People, men and women, to actually support other women, if that makes sense, right? Right. It's really important. I love what you said about mentoring. If I have one more person talk to me about mentoring, mm. I, I don't know what it is about the word. It, sometimes the word just ends up with a negative connotation in, in some aspects. And to me, mentoring means I need help. And the last thing a successful person wants to feel like is that they need, that they're in some, they're lacking in some way and that they need assistance. And the idea that I need to get that from a man in my workplace, that too can be very off-putting. But sponsoring someone, I I think that being a champion, being an advocate for someone that you know is doing a good job is different. And to me, that has a more positive connotation to it. And it's easier to do. Mm. It's not condescending. Yes, absolutely true. Women don't need any more mentoring. We're good. We got this, right? Of course, we'd love the help, but why not, right? But we don't need more mentoring. We we need sponsoring. We need to be say, hey, there's a great podcast you need to be on. Hey, there's a great speaking opportunity for you. Hey, we need to make sure the women in our company are paid fairly. I'll tell you a really wonderful story where I thought men showed up as amazing allies. It's a thing called salary reveal parties that are happening where men and women are gathering, same company, same group, same division, They're gathering together and they're actually writing down their salary, their base salary, their bonus, et cetera. And they're flipping them, right? So they have it on a card, they flip them over. And invariably, the men are making more than women, almost consistently. And the men are shocked. 
How could that be? You've been here longer. How could that be? You're better than I am. How could you be? You know, blah, blah, blah. And the men are going to HR and saying, oh, what the heck's going on? Why do we not have that? And that's forcing pay equity. What systems can change? One, full stop pay equity. If you do not have pay equity in your company, you have got to get it because that is a fundamental way to ensure parity. Get that, make it happen. I love a company called Syndio, a, a CEO, a female run, run company. Uh, Maria Colacurcio has started it and it is amazing. So companies go get that third party validation, get it done. Two, again, don't create mentoring pro- programs, create sponsoring programs. Educate leaders to sponsor others. Three, we found that men need to figure out how they can be allies. Men need training. Men need this, not women anymore. So put your dollars around supporting the men at your organization so they can show up as the leaders we all need. Right. I love that. I love that research. I love that research statistic because mm-hmm. I think the the general feeling is that you know, they're not because they don't want to. Men aren't helping because they don't want to. Not because they don't know how, but it makes perfect sense. They ca- I-, I want to do this. How do I do it? How do I do it? I have been faced with that before. Three in four men said, a diverse team makes me a better leader. Eight in 10 men uh, said, I actually know the diverse teams is better for my company. In other words, my company does better. They don't need to be convinced about this anymore. We can stop trying to convince them. Now we have to educate men about how we do it. And that's key. That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Well, as we wrap up today's show, can you give us, you've given us some wonderful tips, but you want to share any cautionary tales or words of wisdom or your thoughts for the future on this, on this really interesting topic? I am so thrilled to see women stepping up into their authenticity and saying, I'm struggling. I need your help. Uh, you know, sort of breaking through all those maladaptations that we found in the article to really break through to say, hey, I need to do this in community. I want to do this community. How can I help you, Teresa? And here, here's how you can help me. That community is really fundamentally how this is all going to change because us doing it on our own be it men or be it women, it's not working anymore. So let's work together and actually make change together so we can actually all thrive. I love that. Thank you so much for joining us. I love your thoughts. Your research is great. You present it in such a hopeful manner. It just really speaks to me. And I hope it speaks to our listeners as well. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. That's our show for today. You can learn more about Leeson by visiting www.prismwork.com. That's P-R-I-S-M-W-O-R-K.com. You can also connect with Leeson at our website at workplaceperspective.com. I want to also thank our listeners, my radio angels, James and the Nave at Night, and Workplace Perspective's team extraordinaire, our engineer producer, Paul Roberts, our associate producer, Melissa DeLacy, with music provided by the very talented Stephen Persoloni. Thank you all for joining us on Workplace Perspective. And until next time, keep raising the bar.